Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Feeding Grain Podcast, and thank you for listening. My name is Stephen Kilger, Managing Editor of Feeding Grain and your host. We have a fantastic show for you today. Greg Franzen, Agri-Food Sector Lead at Faithful and Gold, and Mark Herbert, Project Controls Manager at Faithful and Gold, stop by to talk about what grain handlers and feed manufacturers should really do when they are starting a new construction project or working their way through a construction project to kind of protect themselves and make sure they are getting the most for their money. Uh, it's a big topic and there's a lot of great information on when you should help, what to prepare for and keep track of during a construction project, plus a ton more. It was really fun to talk with Greg and Mark, the great guys, and I hope you enjoy listening. But before we do that, I've got a bit of housekeeping. If you're listening to this podcast within a podcast app, please consider subscribing. If you have an idea for a topic you would like me to cover or someone in the animal feed, grain handling or related industries that you think would be a great guest, let me know. Uh, This podcast page on feedinggrain.com has a button right under the title that will let you send me an email directly where you can share your ideas. And I I really hope to hear from you soon. I'd really love to hear everyone's ideas. All right, on to our talk with Greg and Mark. Hi, Greg, Mark. Thanks so much for coming and talking to me today. Hi, Steve. Hello, Steven. I first saw you guys at this last year's Jeeps Exchange, where you gave a really great talk about kind of all the particulars that go into making a plan for a new build, new greenfield, new construction, and how to get all that put together. So everyone, at the end of the process, everyone is hopefully as happy as they can, and everything is as close as it as is possible with these constructions. I covered a lot of construction processes, and they never exactly go to what you have down on paper, do they? There's always seems to be some form of change, and so it's pretty common. Most of the success of a project is how your team is able to deal with change. Yeah, definitely. Before we get too far into that, though, can you guys just tell me what you do? Uh, You work for a company called Faithful and Gold, which is a construction consulting company, correct? Yeah, we are. So Faithful and Gold is a global consulting firm. And so 99.9% of the time we sit on the side of the client in a construction project. And so we serve as that independent third-party client advocate. And so our mission is really to help the client maximize their interest in their capital project. So that's uh, what we do. Excellent. And uh, what do you guys specifically do for the company? Well, Mark, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself and your role. Yeah, thanks. So my name is Mark Herbert. I am a planning and scheduling professional through the Association for the Advancement of Cost Engineering. I'm also a professional construction engineer in the state of Minnesota. And so I help clients build things in a nutshell, but the reality is that we plan and schedule and manage costs for these large infrastructure projects. In this particular case, I'm more focused on the sort of agriculture or industrial agriculture sector and, you know, this podcast. So whenever they have a large fertilizer production facility or wastewater treatment plant for ethanol production uh, and many of those type of things, a grain transfer facility, these are millions and millions and millions of dollars. I try to step in and help the client manage the process where they know what they want at the end, but how do you get to the end? How do you take the keys and unlock the door and walk into the facility? And so I walk with the client through that process on sort of who they're hiring, when they're hiring, when they're building, when they're constructing, when they're designing, and all that fun stuff. Well, then, my name is Greg Franzen. Mark and I both sit in the Minneapolis office, and 
I oversee our agri-food project work in the U.S. And so agri-food is anything, includes anything from the agribusiness projects that for clients that typically would attend and participate in Jeeps. And then also food manufacturing. And so that's sort of uh, my role in the company. And our mission is to really be flexible and help the clients where they need help and fill the, whether that's filling gaps for resources or providing a team of people to help or providing a cost estimate. And so that's sort of what we do in the agri-food sector, as we call it. And it's great because, you know, I've interviewed a lot of facility managers, regional managers, that kind of thing, and feed and and grain handling. And while a lot of them kind of get pushed to the forefront of these big construction projects, in reality, it's it's not usually their normal job. It's usually such a big thing that doesn't happen all that often. So it's it's really nice to hear that that's what you're here for. You're here to kind of help them with something they probably will only do once or twice in their careers and also don't have a ton of experience with. No, and that that's a good point. I mean, many times we see, we work for clients and they're, for instance, their operations director might be responsible for a very large project in addition to their day job. And so it puts a tremendous load on people. Our objective is to support people and through implementing good construction processes to help them be successful in delivering their project. And really, you're sort of leading into one of the first items we wanted to talk about, which was a project charter. And what is a project charter? That was my first question, because during your presentation at Jeeps, you guys mentioned a project charter and kind of those initial steps of initiating it. So for all our listeners that might not know or might not have an experience with that, can you kind of explain what a project charter is and why it's an important part of the overall construction process? Sure. So the the project charter is really the initial step in the formation of a project it sets the baseline really for what the need is, what's the need, what's the business case, and then how do we achieve that need and business case through a project. And so company leadership should really appoint an internal sponsor that has the authority and responsibility to initiate the development of that project charter. And really the purpose of the charter is to provide company authorization for the expenditure of resources on the project. It it should include like the name and description of the project, name of the sponsor and project manager who would be responsible for the project. It should include some of the other project team, team members, provide a brief description of the business case, define the general scope of work of the project, and also the expected goals, objectives, and deliverables of the project. You would also want to include some project milestones like start date, completion date, and then identify project risks or constraints that may exist. And so that's really a pretty quick overview of project charter. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it does need to be somewhat comprehensive. Yeah, it's really important, especially with the way ag organizations are often constructed, at least to me, because a lot of them are, you know, co-ops, which have boards and all these things that make the final approval. But this seems like it gives, it really, uh, (laughs) 
it lets both sides, uh, the contractor and the company getting the things done to know who's in charge on the day-to-day stuff, right? With uh, Without that board approval. Is that roughly, am I getting that right? Yeah, well, it's really meant to be mostly an internal document for the business to come together and agree on. Typically, boards of directors are approving large projects. And so this the charter would be something that board level would review and approve and agree to or comment on. So it's that initial document to say, okay, initially this seems like a good idea. We'll provide funding up to a certain value until you take it to this next stage. And so that's the charter gets you started. Okay. Very interesting. So you also, during your presentation, another a thing I found really interesting is, especially for companies that have a lot of facilities and may have may have done this more than once it's the the can you talk a little bit about the importance of documenting and implementing the lessons learned from the previous projects i found that really fascinating part of your your original presentation sure i I think mark and i are going to tag team on this one but i'll take the first stab at that so from you know lessons learned we all understand what lessons learned are from the time you're a little kid you might put your hand on the hot stove once, and hopefully that's a reminder not to do that again because it hurt. All of us have that built into us. We, Our experience is, is one of the best teachers, and so capturing lessons learned is simply a method of, an organized method to capture those lessons that we've learned through the course of the project and document them, and then store them in a way that can be easily pulled up by many others. So document management is really important, having good document management and communicating to others in the business where, you know, these lessons learned are. And then also applying the lessons learned to the appropriate time in project development. And so accessibility, we have to get the information or the experience out of our head onto paper and more appropriately documented electronically so that we can share that experience with others and others can benefit from the experience we all have. And so it's getting the information out of our head so that we have it digitally and then storing the information in a centralized location like in a SharePoint and making it available to others that have projects for their and coordinating the naming convention is that what type of a lessons learned is it? Does it have to do with electrical systems, mechanical systems, civil, whatever? So organizing it in a proper way and then implementing it on new projects. And so at the beginning of a project would be a good time to review lessons learned from previous projects. During the design engineering kickoff might be a good time. Value engineering workshops, procurement and construction kickoff, and project closeout. So all those steps sort of need to work together to apply lessons learned. And then, Mark, you had another thought here on mediation, arbitration. Yeah, just to add to what you were saying, talking about importance, why is it important? Unfortunately, claims happen a lot, not a lot in these projects, but claims often happen in these projects for one reason or another. And so you wind up going through mediation, arbitration, God forbid, litigation. And so having this documentation for current projects is also good 
because of the fact that these legal proceedings and things often happen years after the project's already done. So even then, details are lost to time. So capturing those are very important just for that. But then taking a step further and talking about from one project to the next, understanding how long certain scopes took, similar scopes, durations, how many people it took, whatever you want to measure to complete the project, when these arguments start to rear their ugly heads, you might have a better footing on, hey, the plan is right and the execution is wrong. Because when you don't have that documentation and lessons learned coming in from older projects, it really becomes an argument of, hey, maybe the plan was flawed and our execution was good. And so there, there's a bit of an argument there. So having the documentation lessons learned supports the idea of the owner saying, nope, we had a good plan. It was your execution that did not fulfill the plan. That's kind of speaking to the importance of documentation and implementing lessons learned. Uh, another one, Greg was mentioning it earlier about the passing the knowledge down where throughout human history, a lot of it's been verbal and oral traditions being passed down through people. And it's kind of the same way here where you're looking for the most experienced people when you're starting these projects. And I'm not saying that's bad. In fact, that's very good to do. But in, in alongside of, we should be looking for also the most experienced documentation of other projects. And coupling those two, I'm not saying that that knowledge is a substitute for human experience because it's not. But it will shore up the ideas of having the experienced people with the historical knowledge outside of their own that makes for a complete picture for project planning on any project and just makes things sail. It's like night and day when you're going through the process, once you have that foundation to, to come off of. So the idea that people come and go, turnover can get high, and I know everybody says, well, it's just people are changing jobs all the time these days. Well, I've been in, around long enough to know that that's kind of the way it's always been. Just That's just life. And so having the documentation allows you, whether you get those experienced people or not, still lets you transfer that knowledge. Well, and, and it's uh, it's a good reminder for anyone starting a project, too, because it's such an easy thing to forget, right? Anyone who's been involved with something that like this, that, uh, a big project where you have so much going on, it's so easy to forget or tell yourself you're going to do it later and then completely forget to document anything. But it comes up all the time. I mean, my experience is with uh, magazine issues, right, where we have a really good documentation system and thank goodness we did because you never know what's going to come up. So just today, someone was asking me for an article from 2017 that I had to go in and find. So without that, we'd be, uh, we wouldn't be able to respond. So it's something we don't think about, especially when you're starting a big project, but such an important little part of it that it needs. Uh, I think people need to be reminded on that. Hey everyone, this is Steven again. I'm just here to tell you my conversation with Greg and Mark went really long. So we're splitting it up into two podcasts. But in good news, you won't have to wait very long. We are actually going to start producing three Feeding Grain podcasts a month. So we'll be dropping a podcast on the 7th, 15th, and 30th of every month. We hope you enjoy the extra podcasts and hear my voice a little more, hopefully. But thank you for listening. Stay safe out there and the podcast will be back very soon. Bye.